Rom Companion. Rom Companion. Rom Com. Companion. Rom Companion. Rom Companion. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of Rom Companion. Oh, gosh. They are all special editions, aren't they? That's because we get a chance to watch these wonderful rom-coms together. Uh, no, this is actually a very special edition of Rom Companion. Um, of course, we just wrapped up our six-part, uh, three-episode coverage of uh, Pride and Prejudice 1995 from the BBC. Lots to talk about, lots to cover there. But did you know that there is a lost episode of Pride and Prejudice? That's right. Uh, so the story goes, uh, back in... Um, uh, uh, Thanksgiving of 2020, uh, that's right, so this is almost a year and a half ago, uh, I was, uh, I just finished watching Bridget Jones, and I, you know, I decided I needed to uh, cleanse my palate, I wanted to do an episode on Pride and Prejudice. Uh, unfortunately, in the middle of recording that episode when we took our break, I listened back to the uh, playback, and unfortunately there was an issue with the sound, a little bit of static uh, I don't know, some buzzing going on. So I decided to abandon the episode. And, you know, I had spent so much time watching the first half. And, and you know, uh, uh, it was just kind of a bummer that I, I have, would have to re record the entire episode. That I decided to just leave it be and, and never touch that project again. And I moved on to planes, trains, and automobiles instead. Uh, but it's been uh, a, quite a bit of time. You know, like I mentioned, about a year and a half since uh, 2020. And... I also uh, just covered <laughs> the six whole hours for the BBC version, so I think I'm ready to um, uh, absorb some of that lost time. So uh, what this episode is going to be, it's going to be a little bit interesting. It is going to be the uh, first half is going to be an episode that I started recording a year and a half ago, and then I will take the break, and then the second half I'll be picking up with the second half of Pride and Prejudice. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting uh, listening experience. Uh, even for myself, I listened back to the episode, and, you know, it's interesting. One, uh, pretty consistent reading for uh, Pride and Prejudice, pretty consistent, you know, uh, uh, perspective there. But what was interesting is just how much I've changed as a commentator. Of course, uh, uh, they, you know, having a, a guest has mixed, made a difference, but also, you know, like you can hear me like, chewing, drinking water. So um, listening back was nice just to kind of see how much I've grown over these past two years now. It's been two years I've been doing this podcast. Um, and yeah, it's just uh, really great to see how much I've grown. So uh, this is going to be another solo episode. Uh, it's a little bit of a, a blast from the past episode. Um, but hopefully, you know, uh, this will be a good chance to also just see how much uh, this podcast is growing, how much I've grown as a um, as a content creator. Uh, well, anyways, um, so yeah, what we're gonna do is I'm gonna go ahead and play back the old recording. So you're gonna be able to take a, a time trip back to um, uh, 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 2020, November 2020, with uh, the old David, and you're gonna watch the first half with him, and then I'll pick up from there. Um, one last thing, I just want to make a note. You know, there is some issue with the audio, so I do apologize for that. Um, yeah, and, and and second of all, this may go over a lot of the same content that we discussed, a lot of the same um, uh, commentary that I had for this TV show. So if you want to go and skip ahead, I won't be offended. Just go ahead and jump in 
about an hour and 15 minutes into the episode, you'll kind of catch up with the second half. But uh, okay, uh, with that, uh, really excited to go on this journey with you. Uh, let's go ahead and start Pride and Prejudice together. We'll go ahead and start it off in five, four, three, two, one, play. So excited to be watching this movie. So excited to be sharing with you. Focus Features. Thank you, Focus Features, for making such a great story. All right, so. Something, excuse me. Sorry. Um, so something I, um, I've talked about in the past, uh, something I should get out of the way as well. Uh, your boy has never read Pride and Prejudice. Like I said, I don't want you to think like, oh, wow, this guy's watching videos about the analysis of the text. He must be very well, no, not well read. Um, truth be told, this version of Pride and Prejudice was, you know, it's it's my head canon. It's the official version for me because it's the first version I've ever seen. I've also seen the uh, 1995 uh, series from the BBC. Um but uh, I never, I never read it. In fact, I did write a couple of A papers um, in in high school. But again, I didn't read it. I, I got it all from this film and from uh, Sparknotes. So thank you to Sparknotes, and thank you to Tom Hooper for reading this book and <laughs> and painting out this film for us. Okay, so here we go. Open up on. Elizabeth Bennett. And here's one thing I do know about Elizabeth Bennett. They always kind of describe her as the smart one, the bookish one. And here she is straight up walking around reading a book, which I guess back in the day would have been weird. Women reading. Oh, can you believe? But um, obviously, we know, it's not that weird now. This is like like every girl's personality now. It's very Belle from Beauty and the Beast. And we also have this lovely, beautiful score. Um, oh, gosh, this is such a well-put-together movie. <clears throat> and then you see it, uh, it leaves her, and it kind of walks you through this house. You get to see and get a nice introduction of everybody. So you can see that Jane's kind of calm. You see that Kitty and, um, gosh, what's the other girl's name? The, the, the two sisters, they're like... They're pretty much the same character. Two peas in a pod. <clears throat> uh, and then you have uh, Mary, who's practicing the piano. And then, you know, I think there's something... There's there's a, a barrier to entry for me. One of the reasons why I think maybe I never appreciated um, books like Pride and Prejudice or, you know, even shows like Downton Abbey. Um, I don't get this lifestyle of British life where people are just rich and they just have houses and then people work in it. But like, I don't know, like they don't really have any jobs. They pretty much just manage the estate. And like, you can even see the parents, they kind of gossip and they're like, have you heard about, you know, people are moving into Netherfield park. And I'm like, what does that mean? How is this news when somebody moves in? And then they all get like allowances, you know? So it's like all, like, I don't know, nobility or, like, high society stuff that was not brought over into America. At least I don't think. Other people live in America that are, I guess it's just, like, rich old money, right? It's like those blue buds we heard about in Penelope. They just, they, 
their whole job is just to maintain, you know, old houses like this, old mansions like this. So, um, <clears throat> in case you, again, are, are new to the story, which I'm sure maybe you, 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 you aren't, but like, here's what's going on. These are the Bennets. Great shot of all the, the ladies right there. The Bennett women. And then this is uh, the father. And Mr. Bennett's, um, here's the thing about like society back then. I'm sure you're aware. It's a patriarchy. So everything was the man. The, the this guy is uh he owns all the property and you know he's he's basically responsible for all these uh women for his wife and for his five daughters and i i i, I don't mean this um to be more cruel look at this fun little rom-com thing where all these girls are like we're going to go to this party we're going to meet Mr. Bingley you know, it's nice. It's very fun. It's a nice little uh, snapshot, right? Like, here's a snapshot of what the life at the Bennetts are like. And again, that that life is... Uh, so, I, 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 you know, back then, women, they couldn't have jobs. They couldn't own property. They couldn't vote. So pretty much their, their, their goals in life mainly revolved around getting married. And things that would help them get married, like learning to dance, uh, playing piano, singing, and uh, like you know, one of the things that they joke about is like, Elizabeth, why do you why do you bother with reading books? That's not gonna help you get married. That's why it was odd for her, you know. Like you should get, you should know enough to like read and know enough to like be a a lady in society, but you don't need to be troubling yourself with books. Anyways. Um, Here's this party now where all these girls are. Oh yeah. So, anyways, that that's the Bennett's. That's like the the central conflict. We have five daughters, all five of them trying to get married because they're all single, and um, yeah, they're all kind of in competition with one another, I guess. So here's uh, the sisters. We haven't really talked about the sisters yet. We talked about Elizabeth, bookish. Jane is the beautiful one. You know, interesting. That uh, her name was Jane Austen. I wonder if she wrote herself uh, like, "I'm the beautiful one." <laughs> no, I, I don't. I'm pretty sure Jane imagines herself to be the protagonist, um, Elizabeth, and um, Jane maybe who who she maybe that's maybe she saw herself as Elizabeth, and um, Jane is how other people saw her. I don't know. I'm sure there's a book. Again, I am not uh, a bookish person. And then here's an introduction to the reason why we're having this party. It's these three new people in this town. It's like a small town. And the three new people are um, Mr. Bingley on the right, his sister uh, Caroline on the left, and in the middle, here's Mr. Darcy, Mr. Matthew McFadian. And he's just like, the he's like the alpha right like he walks in he's like in front of them too so um this whole party's for him and and again like i'm pretty sure that that's not how it's written in the book but tom hooper trying to make it more modern and more understandable for us he has this moment where everybody stops and all the eyes you know wander and they they, they admire mr bingley and um mr darcy and then, uh, so here's the thing about Mrs. Bennett, the mother. 
she kind of is a one-note character, very um, two-dimensional. But her big thing is she's trying to get her daughters um, uh, married. So she's she's trying to like get them all to meet uh, Mr. Bingley, and also like meet uh, Mr. Darcy because these two people they're rich, they are, I guess higher on the social ladder, higher on the totem pole, and that that's Mrs. Bingley's whole thing. Uh, Mrs. Bennett's whole thing. Mrs. Bennett's all, um, what do they call it? Uh, she's trying to get a, I forgot the word. There's a word for it, but I think it's like an advantageous marriage. You know, she wants them all to marry up. Uh, and some people could, some people kind of like have criticized that. Some people have said that that is uh, like the critical of that type of behavior. They think it's impro improper or rude or whatever. But at the end of the day, again, understanding the world and, 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 and the rules of the society back then, that's all she could do. That's the best she could hope for her daughters. It's not like these. It's not like she was gonna send her daughters to, to college and then, you know, have them, become astronauts or whatever. Like, they're gonna marry. They're gonna get married. And if they're gonna get married, they're gonna marry well. They're gonna marry up. You get what I'm saying? So, in that respect, even though it's, you know, kind of messed up, she is just trying to play by the rules of the society. So here she is, like, trying to get her <laughs> her hottest daughter, Jane, to, to dance with Mr. Bingley, get married to him. Like, that's the best she could hope for, you know? That's the equivalent of her going to Harvard for back then. And then here's uh, our meet cute between Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy. Like, spoiler alert, we already know this. We talked about this during our uh, other bonus episode. Um... Uh, 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 Bridget Jones's diary, like that's Mr. Darcy, literally like Mark Darcy, and and Bridget is Elizabeth in a way. So that was like an awkward meet cute. And then you can see Carolyn Bingley's kind of like the mean girl, right? The rival. So we're seeing a lot of these familiar elements. So. What's her face really? Uh, Jane Austen, not what's her face. Jane Austen really planted a lot of different things. But check this out. So, um, uh, what was I gonna say? Uh, uh, um, again, like meet cute, right? She met with him a little bit, and this like the best friend. She's she can she she's eavesdropping, and the best friends are like, "What do you what do you think about that girl, um, Elizabeth?" And then he's like, oh, she's perfectly agreeable, but she's not handsome enough to tempt me. Which is basically, <laughs> I guess, old school speak for like, what do you think about her? Yeah, yeah, she's nice. She's a, she's a nice girl, but uh, she's not hot enough to, to ride the Darcy train. You know, that's pretty much what that is. And um, who cares? Like, that's not Elizabeth's game. Elizabeth's not trying to get married. Elizabeth is looking out for her sister Jane. She loves her sister Jane very much. And she's like, hey, the name of the game, Jane and Mr. Bingley. Um, who cares about Mr. Darcy? And everybody in this town kind of like, they all admire Mr. Darcy because he's rich and handsome. But at the end of the day, he's like a pompous ass, right? But who cares? Let's focus on this right here. Let's look at Mr. Bingley and Jane. They keep, even though they're not dancing together, they keep staring at one another. They keep making little eyes. Um, and which is kind of interesting because uh, um, 
I, I, I hope I'm not being too dismissive or too, um, you know, uh, uh, quick to say this, but like, Jane is just the pretty one. Like, they don't, like, even in this movie, and I'm sure in the book too, they don't do much for her personality. Most of her personality is like, oh, she's quiet and she's shy and she doesn't, like, really share her. Um, oh, check this out. Check out Mrs. Bennett. Always talking up the sister. Uh, so again, like that's the the mom's only game. But check this out too. Check out the way that Mrs. Ben. So Mrs. Ben, it's like it's too bad that uh, Miss Lucas, their friend, isn't more handsome. And that's really rude. But again, that this mom's game is not to be polite. This mom's game is to talk up Jane. Talking about how hot she is. Talking about how she's a great dancer. Talking about how everybody wants to marry her. You know. And then here's Bennett, Mrs. Be uh, Elizabeth Bennett playing defense. And she got this hot exchange between Miss, Mr. Darcy and her. So... Here you can see, like, Mr. Darcy is a little bit interested. He's kind of, uh, he's like, what's up with this girl? Because she is doing, she's doing, like, this, like, clever double talk. She's, like, got some Aaron Sorkin-level dialogue, right? Where it's just, like, she's saying one thing, but she means another. And I think that's what really intrigues Darcy. Like, this is his first time. I was like, man, this girl's smart. She must read. Which is weird, because women don't read. Um, so, like, he's really attracted to her mind, more so than her face. But anyways, here's like that's kind of these two dynamics. Like they're they're besties, they're sisters. Jane's the hot, quiet one. Elizabeth's the smart, I guess plain looking one. I don't know. Obviously, it's Kira Knightley. Obviously, she's gorgeous. But I think uh, in comparison to to Jane, uh, Elizabeth is supposed to be like the, the plain. You know, not handsome enough to tempt me, one. Um, but he, she's like the thinker and like the, the big mouth. And then Jane's the, the looker. And they're both kind of like just, you know, oh, we're excited about Mr. Bingley. You know, and that's that's like Elizabeth's playing the rom-com best friend right now. She's not, she's not the story. She's not even the heroine of her own story, you know, which is fine, which is great uh, for now. But. We've kind of set our stage, you know. Um, I know this is based off a book. I don't really know if books have acts, but I would say that that's our first act. And it's a nice, concise um, first act. It's about 14 minutes in to like a two-hour movie. But that's the first act. You know the world. You know the characters. You know the romances. Everything else is going to unroll. But it's a book, guys. There's going to be so many other things happening. So that's um, Mrs. Bennett's uh, logic. Her whole thing is like, we got to get these girls married before you die, Mr. Bennett, because if you don't, they're all screwed. So they, they kind of like, like I, I'm like not even exaggerating. Like this is not just a lighthearted romance for the mom. This is life or death. You know, this is like, this is uh, 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 
high stakes. And it's what his mom does, right? So, like, the, the Bingley sister has invited Jane to have dinner. And look at this. She's scheming. She's like, you're going to ride a horse. You're not going to take the court carriage. You're, you're, you know, because Mr. Bingley's not going to be there. So, the little, the little saucy minx, uh, she planned this trip where Jane was going to ride her horse, go have dinner, get sick along the way. You know, high stakes stuff, man. High stakes, but then she's got to stay. Boom! This mom is smarter than you give her credit for. Boom! Bless you. You sick? Now you gotta stay. Again, it's like. When I was young, I read this as serious, but now I'm like, guys, this is kind of funny. This is this is low key like a funny little like like I like. Let me get my daughter deathly ill so that she can get married to the rich guy. You know, it's funny. So then, uh, obviously, the only person that does, I mean, the Elizabeth does not take it as a joke. She's very serious about it. So she's like, I'm gonna walk my ass all the way to that house. Who knows? Miles and miles and miles away to visit her sister. Yeah, and these rich people just have like, like, then they have like, can you have people announce you to come in? That's like a different level right there. Like, not even the people from You Got Mail did that stuff. And there's like, there's two dudes that just stand in the corner while you eat breakfast. What a freaking weird lifestyle. Mark my words, and I might eat my words one day, but like if I ever win the lottery, if I ever hit it big, you better believe I'm having breakfast by myself. No people standing outside. And if anybody is going to walk into my door, no one's going to announce them. They can text me when they're outside. You know what I mean? I don't care how rich I get. This is so hoity-toity. So anyways, Elizabeth uh, came here to visit her sister. And then, mean girls talking trash, but but Darcy's like, ooh, what? That girl, that 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 you know, that mouthy girl that talked back to me. What is she doing here? And he's like intrigued because again, you know, because he's so rich and he's so you know successful. He's like, nobody talks to me this way. But now he's like, oh, that's fine. Not a pleasure that she's ill, of course not. It's a pleasure that she's here. This fumbling fool. He's also, so I was going to say, Jane is kind of like the, the quiet, pretty one. Bingley is kind of like the dumb, uh, pretty boy too. He's kind of just like silly and... Um, what a weird shot. <laughs> I, I Again, a great movie, great shot, but like, what a weird decision. She's like eyeing those big balls on that hog. It's so funny. I never got that, but at the same time, I do get it. You know what I'm saying? All right. So meanwhile, while uh, the 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 main two sisters are at the Bingleys, the Netherfield Park, the rest of the daughters they're off trying to get these the attention of these soldiers. So here's a uh, Kitty or Lydia. I don't know who's who. One of them's Kitty. One of them's Lydia. In the book, I wonder if they're supposed to be similar, but 
in the movie, they're they're pretty much playing the same character. She's trying to throw her handkerchief, trying to get some attention from these soldiers. So it's like, they're all boy crazy. the The daughters are boy crazy. The mom's boy crazy. It's trying to get these uh, the attention of these soldier boys. But uh, in this type of society, like again, hoity hoity society, like they're like they're they're happy to host that um, the Jane while she gets better. But then they also kind of end up uh, hosting Elizabeth. But check this out. This is this is flirting. I know it doesn't seem like it, but. So Carolyn's trying to like flirt with Mr. Darcy. And Mr. Darcy, like, just shot her down, in a way. So there you go. Mr. Darcy just said something a little bit sexist. And then... Carolyn's just like, I agree, yes, totally. A woman must be this, this, this. And then Elizabeth's like going to talk back and be like, no, nah, fuck that. That's not. I'm no longer surprised at your knowing only six accomplished women. I rather want an outdoor knowing any. Are you so severe on your own? Sex? They're like, I never saw such women. The trading blows. Elizabeth, let us take a turn about the room. And, uh,. I, I, I think this is what I think is going on, but I don't know because, again, I haven't read the book. But the sister Bingley asks Elizabeth to get up and walk around the room because the sister Bingley can't compete with Emily, uh, Elizabeth's um, uh, uh, wit and her, her you know, jokes. So she's like, hey, let's walk around the room and let's let Mr. Darcy see us side by side to see who's the who's hotter me or elizabeth and he, even though these two girls are just like walking around like this is pretty seductive and mr darcy's just like oh my god i'm just trying to write these letters <laughs> you know like these 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 women won't leave me alone why won't they just let me tend to my letters it's like a bad porno. How shall we punish him for such a speech? I could always laugh at him. Oh no, Mr. Darcy is not to be pleased. And he's he's also choosing his words very carefully. Because like he still is really interested in Elizabeth. And watch out the zoom shot coming up. That like ever so slight zoom is just like. Like, like, you know, like he just basically dropped a, a burn. It's like, ooh, let's zoom in on him. But, like, he's demonstrating some good qualities. He's really smart. He's really got good, uh, high integrity. And she's demonstrating some good qualities. She's very clever, very smart, very, you know, like he said, accomplished, you know? Because earlier when he was saying all those things, he was basically laying out his high standards. Like, oh, she's got to read and she's got to, you know, be good at math or whatever. And then... And then she's just like, like, why do you have such high standards? And then he's like, they're not high standards. I just want someone you know, who can keep up. And then, again, they're like trading blows. See, this movie's like low-key funny. It's like, it's got zingers in here. Excellent room you 
So, again, in a, a big element of Jane Austen and about this type of society is propriety. I think I talked about that during Clueless. Propriety is like just good manners and politeness and like, you know, respectability. And the big thing I remember in my Spark Notes is that um, the, the Mrs. Bennett is very improper she has a lot of like improprieties she says a lot of things that are flippant and rude and then same thing with these uh these two like sisters they're like oh yeah you should throw a ball like they're suggesting uh that they have a, that he has a party at this house you know so it's it's very suggestive it's very improper So like yeah, funny enough, funnily enough, as much even though Elizabeth like mocks this type of culture, and she doesn't really like it, and she rejects it. She at the end of the day is like the best at it in the Bennett family. Um, but yeah, anyways, they're here to fetch the the daughter now that she's better, and they've really solidified a lot of bonds. So like now Bingley and her are really close. But check this out. Look at this moment. Oh, he helps her up the carriage, but then walks as he walks away. Watch this. Everybody loves that moment. Everybody notes that moment. When he kind of flexes his hand, he's kind of like, ugh. You know, like, it was electric. Like, almost like it, it stunned him or it shocked him. Because, like, you know, again, back then, everything was really proper. Everything was really polite. He never... He doesn't touch women all the time. Does that sound weird to say? Like, human contact. It's like short of a handshake, right? Like back then was very seldom. So like he likes this girl. He thinks she's cute. He thinks she's smart. She may have all the things he's looking for. And then what happens? Like he helps up the call. He helps her up the carriage, and it's electric. And and oh, they felt something, you know. So that's like that for now. We can see that there's like a little bit of a flirtation between them. They both they both find each other intriguing, uh, but he's still like this archetype, right? He's like the badass in high school with the motorcycle and the leather jacket, and then she's like the student council president, who is like, you know, I don't have time for a boyfriend, not until I go to college, you know, like that. Here's like this other like plot going on, the subplot. Again, this is a book, so it's not really gonna work like a movie. But they have this cousin here, uh, Mr. Collins, and. <laughs> he's this snake of a man this little mousy man played by Tom Hollander uh, but his whole thing is like since he's a cousin he is technically the heir to the Bennett fortune you know what I mean so he's like basically here to to like take his pick of the sisters, I guess you want to put it that way. Like, I know it's kind of gross, but like I said, he... Oh, wait a second. And they're all laughing at him. So, like, I don't... I don't... I can read the room, but I don't really know what he's saying. But I think basically what he's doing is that he's like straight up just saying like he's like a 
like a, I don't know, it's like an incel, you know, he's just like, oh, my lady, uh, these ladies, they are um, delicate creatures that require, you know, like, he's like that, he's like straight up got that energy, so they're all kind of laughing at him. See, like, they're all kind of, like, laughing at him because he's coming here and he's, like, prepared this speech and he's, like, really trying to impress these women because, in a way, he feels or he's, he, he acts entitled to one of these women. Because, like I said, he already is the heir. And, like we said, women can't own property. So, if the dad dies and it's just going to go to him, it's in their these girls' best interest to marry him. So they're just like, which one of you ladies is going to marry me? And here's like the chat about that. Well, it is my avowed hope that soon I may find a mistress for it. And I have to inform you that the eldest mistress And he's like, uh, you know, Mrs. Bennett, I made my choice. I want the hot one. But the mom, again, mom knows what she's doing. She knows Jane's going to go to Harvard. She's going to get Mr. Bingley. So what does she do? She plays defense. So the mom's not terrible. But now she's trying to throw Elizabeth on him. So she is low-key a little bit terrible. This is probably the worst choice. The worst pairing. <laughs> Again, that Zoom. Like, agreeable alternative. Like, so this guy doesn't really care. This guy's just trying to get whatever, whoever he can get. It's kind of gross, but hey. Like, I'm glad that they included this. It's a nice little snapshot on how life was back then. But it's also like, it adds a little bit of drama. It adds like, shall we call it a triangle? This movie has uh, a couple of love triangles as we'll soon see. So here's uh, a handkerchief blowing. And like we said, when it came uh, back then, you drop a handkerchief and gentlemen pick it up for ladies. doesn't hurt that he's a starkly handsome man. In fact, I think this dude um, ended up dating... Uh, what's his name? Uh, I think this guy ended up dating uh, uh, Kira Knightley for a while. So, uh, if you don't remember from Bridget Jones' diary... Um, this is George Whitcomb, so this would have been Hugh Grant's character. He's like the rival to Mr. Darcy. He's old friends with Mr. Darcy, and uh, he's the one that like wins Elizabeth's affection. So like she kind of likes him. Boom. So he's like this poor soldier, but he's like, I like you know. He's he's trying to get married too, like. Everyone back then was trying to get married because everybody back then was like trying to get it in because they didn't have Tinder. The only way that you could get it in back then was to get married. So that's the way it works. But kind of just like just like uh, Bridget Jones' Diary, it's a really small world. Everybody knows each other. So you can see here, Mr. Wickham's got a scowl. Mr. Darcy's got a scowl because they know each other. Now, in the Bridget Jones' Diary, you know why... They know each other because Hugh Grant and him used to be friends and then Hugh Grant stole Colin Firth's fiance. We're going to learn about this later on. 
But uh, same idea. This guy starts spreading some nasty lies about Mr. Darcy. So listen to this. Especially given our cold greeting this afternoon. Well, I hope that your plans in favor of Meryton will not be affected by your relations with the gentleman. Oh, no, it is not for me to be driven away. And the way he speaks. To avoid seeing me, he must go. Not I. Not I. Uh, friggin', she's just like, ooh, I like him. He's got integrity. He's a, he's a gentleman. He's a soldier. My father managed his estate. Soldiers are like really popular romantic figures, romantic protagonists back in the day. I thought so much anymore. Like other than Dear John, can you guys think of another uh, like romance with like a soldier as a protagonist? It's kind of fallen out of favor, out of favor. But anyway, so you can see that uh, Darcy robbed him of his inheritance. So it's all about money to this guy. Well, he loved me better, and Darcy couldn't stand it. Doesn't that sound like a lie? So, so part of me is like, poor Elizabeth, you're too gullible. But he's like a very sympathetic character, right? He's kind of like, he's he's like, oh my gosh, this poor guy, you poor thing. Just like Mr. Hugh Grant was just like, well, uh, on my wedding night, I saw him. He was in bed with my fiance, and like, just like we were like, that's a little bit too far, Hugh. I think you stepped it up a little bit too much. I think that in this case, he he stepped it up a little bit too much as well. Anyways, uh, Tom Hooper makes this great thing where he's able to, he uses this um, housekeeper and she's like singing the song. She's basically humming the score. And she walks room to room to room as a way to like really condense and get a lot of information for all these characters in this house at once. So great job, Tom Hooper. They're getting ready for this ball. The ball that again the, the Liddy and Kid Lydia and Kitty talked Bingley into setting up. So like again, it's like a fun little rom com. All these little strings, all these little puppets, all these little like seeds, they all kind of prosper. But anyways, let's let's kinda of take a look at some of these triangles we have so far. Wickham, Darcy, and Elizabeth. Uh, Collins, Jane, and Mr. Bingley, and Catherine, Darcy. Uh, Elizabeth I think that's it for now but like there's a couple of like there's gonna be a lot more triangles because we're we're barely like 30 minutes into this movie you know what I mean so again nice fun uh, thing so here's this party oh and uh, there's this great you know you get to see like all the different characters so you see what's his face can barely get in <laughs> uh, Mr. Collins uh, the Bennets are are greeted. And Jane and so check this out. Um, this is the big plot point. Mr. Bingley is like, oh, I'm so pleased you're here. He's like trying to like get Jane's attention because again, she's the hot one that he likes. But she doesn't really reciprocate. Like, they don't really, like, flirt back and forth. She just, like, it's breathtaking. She walks away. And that's, like, the big thing is, like, Jane is quiet and she's shy. She doesn't really, like, 
she's not flirty like her mom. Like, the mom is just like, oh, Mr. Bingley, your house is so beautiful, and oh my, and this and that. And that's not, like, you know, Jane's the opposite. Jane is just like, oh, hi, um, anyways. So, what's-his-face doesn't even know. Speaking of that, look at, uh, this is, um, Darcy was, like, stalking her. So she's looking, again, like, triangle. She's looking for Wickham. And then Darcy... I don't know if Darcy's uh, avoiding her or not, but he's definitely like not trying to find her. But um, you know who else is looking for Lizzie is uh, Tom Collins. So this this whole ball, this whole sequence is really fun. And Tom Halper actually has a lot of really cool shots. I think this might be the one shot. It may not have begun, begun now, but at one point there will be a one shot. Maybe it's already begun. But Tom Hooper is famous for doing one-shots. He did a really great one-shot in Atonement. Then there's Mr. Collins. I don't think this is the one-shot because they're going to dance soon. I think there's cuts in there. Unless if, the, if this one-shot includes a dance, that would be even more amazing. Oh no, so that's not the one shot. But here's the thing. Uh, <laughs> look at this guy's freaking snake eyes. So uh, she has to dance with uh, Tom Collins, but she doesn't want to. But like the big thing about this guy is he's kind of a, I think he's like a, I don't know if he's like a priest or a preacher. I don't really know all the different titles, but like that's what, he is for Lady Catherine and Lady Catherine do the fromage or whatever the borough she's like the real noble person like everyone here is just rich because of her so she is the one that's noble and then everyone else here is trying to like socialize with her they're trying to get they're trying to get a slice of the pie from Lady Catherine but this is like Lady Catherine's favorites priest or preacher or whatever so that's kind of his deal Darcy by the way is Lady Catherine's nephew so look at this guy this guy's like I want to be close to you this whole evening and she's like what is she going to say to that she doesn't even respond so this dude's forward this guy's making and then she's just laughing uh, her butt off she leaves the dance floor and Mr. Darcy wants it so something's going on here, right? Like earlier, he, before he says he doesn't dance, but um, Elizabeth says that, you know, what's the best way to get, a, get to know someone? And she's like on the dance floor. Did I just agree to dance with Mr. Darcy? I dare say you will find him very amiable. Is he? It would be most inconvenient since I just want to know him for all eternity. Uh, so this is, again, a nice little rom-com moment. Like they, they sneak away underneath the bleachers. Um, did the captain of the football team just ask me to the prom? Yeah, um, but I said I'd never go to prom. <laughs> like, it's like a nice, fun... Like, I, I, again, like... If you just modernize it, this is totally a rom-com, and I totally see it now, and I'm, I'm, I'm on board. But check this out. This dance is so sexy. In this dialogue. So this is not just a physical dance, but it's also like a dancing of ideas, a dancing of um, wit... Will do for present. Perhaps by and by I may observe that private balls are much pleasanter than public ones. 
now we may remain silent. So this is kind of like awkward small talk, but again, it's it's got like a, a, a hint of tension on there because she's kind of teasing him and he he knows she's teasing him, but he also can't say anything back because again, she's doing it double. She's got like double entendre. She's like being clever with it, but it's also everything she's saying like hits him. Like she's like, oh, um, like what should we talk about? You know, and he's just like, how about the fact that like you, you know, you probably like this party better than you like the other party because this is a private ball as opposed to a, a public ball. And then he's like, again, trying to make small talk. He's like, do you, do you, do you walk around a lot? And he's just like, and she's like, that's kind of rude. Like, yeah, I walk. That's how I meet people. But then here they, they get to the topic of Mr. Wickham. Oh, it's such a great dialogue. Check this out. Why do you ask such a question? To make out your character, Mr. Darcy. And what have you discovered? Very little. You have such different accounts of you as puzzle me exceedingly. It's like a chess game. I hope to afford you more clarity in the future. But unfortunately, this chess game, and now this is great shot, this great directional move where they're dancing in the room by themselves. But let me just explain what's happened in case you you don't capture it, you know? So again, the rich captain the football team and then like this like it's like she's all that you know and she's like the poor girl who works at the pizza place um and they disagree on like paul walker right it's like paul walker's a dick right and she's like no paul walker's nice to me and he's like you don't know and what's been determined now is this is called pride and prejudice and i like to joke around i like to say that oh he's pride and she's prejudice he's really proud because he's like oh i'm, I'm rich and I'm, I'm too good for her i'm too good for everybody i'm better than this whole room and her thing is like, yeah, I'm prejudiced against rich assholes like this. Because what do you know? What do we know about rich assholes? They're usually like selfish and and, and pompous. Uh, but in a way, they're both pride and prejudice. But check this out. See, like this dude's trying to like social climb and she, he's trying to introduce himself to Mr. Darcy. But you're not supposed to do that back then, I guess. Back in the day, you needed to be like introduced to people. I don't know. This was just seen as rude. It's like ill-mannered. <laughs> and then she's teasing her about it. She's like totally the mean girl. All right. So here's this nice one shot where you get to walk around and you. this is just like I said before. Tom Hooper's going around the room and he's capturing a lot of different moments from the book. Here's the moment where you see that Mary is kind of like plain and boring and, and the laughing stock and she's. She's sad, and uh, Mr. Collins is running around sniffing, looking for um, Elizabeth. And then here's Bingley, Bingley trying to trying to trying to chase that skirt, trying to pinch that booty. Uh, you see Elizabeth, uh, uh, Mrs. Bennett being super improper. Mr. Darcy notices, wow, she's like she's a real talkity talky gossip girl. And again, so like this is just waving through. You see these two Tweedledee, Tweedledum getting drunk. Anyways, while this one shot kind of plays plans out, uh, I think that they're both actually Pride and Prejudice because obviously, like I said before, you know Darcy's Pride and uh, Elizabeth's Prejudice, but Elizabeth has a lot of pride too. You know, like she also thinks she's too good for Mr. Darcy. You know, like again, given the circumstances and given the rules of society, the best thing she could do is marry someone like Mr. Darcy. He's rich. Her, her family's 
kind of like lower middle class and, and there's no son to inherit. And then Mr. Mr. Darcy's hella prejudiced. He's prejudiced against poor people, against women. You know, like, he he thinks everybody is bad. He thinks, like, the Bennets are bad and, and stuff like that. He thinks that uh, uh, whatever's a... Jane's just, like, a dumb hottie. Anyways, um, that's just, like, a, a, a nice, like, I guess summary of like the dynamics all going on here look at her she's just like a, a drunk mess eating her i don't know jello or ice cream or something um oh and this poor dude here picking at his flowers mr collins he was like i was gonna give her this flower tonight <laughs> but yeah this great one shot and then we leave the party so Really great shot. Oh, it's not even over yet. So, uh, while this happens, I just want to say... Uh, uh, Mr. Bennett is a good father for the time. I don't know if he's a great father now, but, like, he's pretty progressive. He has these five daughters, and he tries his best to, like, love them all equally, but also trying to play by society's rules, you know? Like... Part of what makes him so cool is just like, yeah, whatever. He's like very whatever, right? Because like back in the day, he could have been such a jerk and he could have like ruled with an iron thumb and, and, you know, really be the patriarch. But he's definitely much more uh, on the docile side and he definitely lets, you know, uh, the mom rule. But then you also see that... Um, Mr. Bingley is like, oh, bye, goodbye to this family. And then his sister's like, you can't be serious. I can't believe you want anything to do with that family. So. There's a subplot in here that I'm not catching. And I don't remember from my spark notes. But I guess Mary is like, not. Uh, she's like, I guess she's supposed to be like the, the least handsome and the least talented. And she just wants to get married. I think they talk about it more in the 1995 version. But check this out. Uh, this dude is trying to get everyone's attention. And the only person that pays attention to him is Mary in the background. Mary's like... Mary gives her gives Mr. Collins respect. The rest of the family doesn't give him any respect. They're like, this guy's a joke. And if they were smart, they would have let Mary marry um, him. Tom. Tom and Mary would have been perfect for each other, but... We all know what's going on, right? This is fun, right? This is, like, lighthearted. I know it seems serious, but they're all kind of laughing. Uh, but Mr. Collins is trying to propose right now. And the dad's like, no, but... And he's like, I can't believe he's going to do this. He's going to let... He's going to let this dude propose to his daughter at during breakfast. And even he feels bad about it, so he's a pretty good father. But he also knows what he's got to do. So he's going to, like... He's going to leave his own dining room. Like, this dude owns this house. He's going to leave his own dining room to let this happen. And this is so funny and so awkward. But, like, even the way it's played, right? Like, this tenseness. He's got this flower. It's like a love note. And she does. She pretends she doesn't see it. She is straight up ghosting him face to face. It's hilarious. Dear Miss Elizabeth, <laughs> and he's going to make this sure entire proposal. He can't even look her in the eye. This is, like, devoid of romance. 
before I am run away. Poor guy, he's so nervous. Perhaps I may state my reasons for marrying. Firstly, and she's trying to save him. She's trying to, to save him from the embarrassment. But like, this is a train, this is a, you have to see this as a train wreck about to happen. And like, that's what makes it funny. Otherwise, this is just painfully awkward. My object in coming to Longbourn was to choose such a one from among Mr. Bennett's daughters. See, he's even straight up saying it. To inherit the estate and such an alliance will surely suit her. So like, I, I, I hate to say it, but like this is her chance to save her family. And I know that's gross to say, but it is. And this guy's just like, well, obviously, uh, you want to save your family, so let me propose. You are too hasty, sir. You forget that I have given no answer. Boom. He's he's entitled. He's assuming it's gonna happen. So she's about to embarrass him hard. Amiable qualities. Sir, I am honored. By your proposal, but I regret that I must decline it. She's so respectful. I know ladies don't seek to seem too easy. Mr. Collins, I am perfectly serious. <laughs> you could not make me happy, and I'm convinced I'm the last woman in the world who could make you happy. I flatter myself, cousin, that your refusal is merely a natural delicacy. <laughs> Besides, this guy can't take no for an answer. Much more scarier nowadays when a guy doesn't take no for an answer, but back then, Mr. Collins, comedic. Simply seek to increase my love by suspense, sir. According to the usual practice of elegant females, <laughs> I am not the sort of female to torment a respectable man. This dude's playing <laughs> like bad chess. He's playing like bad chess. He's like, "Oh, you're playing hard to get, right?" <laughs> and then she's like, "No, I'm not playing hard to get." And they all laugh at him. So he's utterly embarrassed. And look at Mary. Oh, poor Mary. She's like, "Oh, this man, this poor ego. She could have really loved him." I can't believe I watched this as a kid thinking it was super traumatic. It's hilarious. This is so funny. It's like a satire. It's like a scathing um, criticism of like this type of society. And I'm glad, oh man, Jane Austen was able to like see it all at the time. And check this out. She's saying like, you had to fix this situation because, like, we could lose the whole family. Like, fortune or whatever. And then Donald Sutherland does, a, like, a, a real G move here. Coming up. Tell her you insist upon her marrying. Papa, please. So, again, he's the patriarch, so he technically could force her to get married. It's gross, but it's true. He could force her. So look at what he does. What a great father he is for the time. Your insists on you marrying Mr. Collins. Yes, I shall never see her again. Olivia, from this day onward, you must be a stranger to one of your parents. Who will maintain you when your father is dead? Your mother will never see you again if you do not marry Mr. Collins. And I will never see you again if you do. Boom, this dude's so witty. So he, he is... Standing up to his wife. <laughs> he can't even look at her. But again, his, his, he, he's the man. His word is law. And he tells his daughter, you don't got to marry that, that douche nozzle. You know? What a good dad. 
And Jane sees she's quiet. She won't even tell uh, what's going on. But as you can see, Mr. the Bingleys are leaving. By the way, I, I don't get this part. I don't know long. I don't know. I don't know how long they were here in this town or whatever. But like, they just moved here, and maybe in the book this is like a couple months later or a couple years later. But like, they come here and then they just straight up leave. But I also don't get this. Like, what's Darcy doing here? I never understood that. What's their relationship? Because he seems to be a little bit older. He seems to be richer. Uh, and then, as you can see, the house is uh getting retired. But like. Is Darcy just like, are they roommates? What's going on here? Like, I never understood their dynamic of why they're friends. Especially because Bingley's like, it's kind of a, again, he's a, he's a cute, pretty boy dummy. Very nice person though. And then Darcy's like severe and critical and mean. I don't know why they're friends. Anyways, they're, they're gone. And Jane is heartbroken, you know? Because like, he had all this time to propose to me and he didn't. Again, back then, this is, I know that sounds like it's very escalated, but like, that's how it went down then, baby. First date, uh, you meet each other's parents. Second date, maybe you get a dance. Third date, you're getting married. Pretty much how it goes. Yes, and that's that's all what's going on here. Caroline is playing defense. Doesn't want his daughter to marry this poor country hottie. But they both have the same problem, where Jane's not letting her know how uh, he feels, and he's not letting her know how he feels. So They're playing like relationship chicken, or flirty chicken. I don't know what's going on. And it's like, they, <laughs> like I, now I know why people had matchmakers back then. People were just so polite back then. You couldn't just straight up, you know, do you like me? Check one, yes or no. <laughs> they couldn't just do that. So, again, he's just like, we're throwing Wickham back into the situation. He's like, hey, why don't you go see about Mr. Wickham? Yeah, now that she's off in London, we got to see to you getting married. So it's nice, you know, and this is a nice little focus. Again, a nice chapter change because this is a book. And this chapter Charlotte. is about her buddy Charlotte. I come here to tell you the news. And this is Mr. Collins and I are engaged. Engaged. The other triangle or whatever. So Mr. Collins, after getting rejected hardcore by Elizabeth, to be married. engages course, gets engaged to her best friend. reason why I shouldn't be as happy with him as any other. He's ridiculous. Hush. Not all of us can afford to be romantic. So this is the sad truth about society back then. He's been offered a comfortable home and protection. There's a lot to be thankful for. Charlotte. I'm 27 years old. I've no money and no prospects. I'm already a burden to my parents. And I'm frightened. So guys. So don't judge me, Lizzie. Don't you dare judge me. That's how society was back then. If you were 27 and unmarried, you were pretty much a spinster. 
You know, you're pretty much, quote unquote, over the hill. It was pretty much over for you. Meanwhile, your boy is 30. It's the, it's the freaking quarantine. I ain't going on any dates. Lots of friends of mine, you know, 27, 28, 29, 30, not married. Uh, but the difference is we all have our own lives. We all have jobs. We all have things like these. These women back in the day were really just like sitting ducks, really. So I don't know if that was in the book, but like she really spells it out like. Women need to get married. It adds a little bit of urgency to the story. It reminds us that, like, back then, you know, <laughs> I, 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 she, she pretty much flips the, the shot clock here for Elizabeth. Thank you for your letter. Letting her know, like, hey, I'm so glad the it's time to, time to, to get it together. What was your departure, James, to London, and the militia to the north with the colorful Mr. Wickham? So, uh, here's what's kind of cool. So they get married. I, I think there's a time, some a time jump here. We uh, skip some time, but now Charlotte's gotten married to Mr. Collins. Lady Catherine's given him a nice little house, and Elizabeth's coming to visit. And you you can really just see how little affection there was between Mr. Collins and Elizabeth. Uh, by how much he doesn't even care. Like this, 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 like girl, his cousin, straight up uh, rejected him for marriage, and he's like, no big deal. Have her come over, and he doesn't even notice that they like they left him there by himself. <laughs> so poor Charlotte, she marries him, <laughs> and then has this little room where she can hide away from him. But look how happy she is. This is this is her safety school, quote unquote. So the safety school of hers is like the best thing that could happen to her. So again, Lady Catherine, she's the the actual noble person here. So she's like the richest one. The most successful one, and everyone else in this, whatever this part of the country has her to think. She's also Mr. Darcy's uh, aunt. So here's the interesting thing. Do you remember when we watched um, uh, Bridget Jones? We're like, gosh, how does this Mr. Darcy keep popping up? It's kind of the same thing with this movie. Mr. Darcy keeps popping up, but mainly because uh, there's like that that many rich, successful, noble people here. You know what I mean? Anyways, uh, here's our chance to meet Catherine DeBorg, who's played by, boom, Dame Judy Dench. So you are Elizabeth Bennet? I am, your ladyship. Hmm. This is my daughter. Dude, you want to talk real pride and prejudice? It's all Lady Catherine here. And then I get like boom, just like Colin Firth kept popping up, Mr. Darcy or keeps popping up. So again, that's uh, his her nephew. Mr. Darcy, I had no idea we had the honor. Miss Elizabeth, I'm a guest. So Mr. Darcy, like, he's just like 
couch surfs around all these mansions. He's like staying with Bingley. He's staying with Lady Catherine. And then they're they're about to have like this dinner together. And this is cool. So like they didn't want to. They don't want to let Mr. Collins sit next to Charlotte for some reason. That's some rule, I guess. So now she has to sit next. To, uh, they switch seats, and now uh oh, Darcy and uh, what's her face are sitting next to each other. So now they have to make small talk. And again, um, there's that tension between them, you know. My eldest sister is currently in London. Perhaps you'd like to see her there. I haven't been fortunate enough to know. Play the piano forte, Miss Bailey. A little Marmon very poorly. Oh. oh, so like again, we talk about uh, Pride and Prejudice here. Your sisters, do they rule? Catherine is like straight up asking her. These are all the. These are all the. Uh, makings of a lady, right? To get married, right? So like, you have to know how to play the piano. You have to know how to draw. You have to, you know, do all these different things. And she's saying like, oh yeah, I can't do that stuff, and we don't have a governess, which is kind of like a teacher, you know, like a tutor. So like, Catherine's pretty much being really mean it's like oh you like you're so poor like oh you don't have gucci purses you don't have the latest iphone 12 you don't have you know macbooks or ipads she's like that's odd so here's the thing she's still kind of like intrigued by mr darcy she kind of thinks he's kind of an asshole but like this is low-key embarrassing for her right because like again in front of your crush if your crush is like if you're getting grilled by the, your crush's aunt, like, oh, like, you don't do this, you can't do this, and, like, you're a really weird girl. But, uh, and she's also talking back. She's like, she's, like, snapping back to the aunt in a very clever, you know, double-talk way. So, we don't see this, but I'm pretty sure that... Mr. Darcy's um, impressed by this. He's like, oh, nobody talks back to my aunt. Everybody kisses my aunt's ass. And, you know, you're being really nice and tough about it. It's like feminism. <laughs> I love that line. And I I think they kind of they kind of joke about it. And she was like, I love music. You know, uh, if I would have learned how to play piano, I can tell, I assure you I would have been good. Right? It's like a joke. Anyways, now this lady, you want to talk about, you know, feminism. This lady's got all the power. She abuses it. She's like, she's forcing her. Even though she says she can't play the piano and she's not good at it. Forcing her. Using the rules of British politeness to play the piano. So as you can see, she's she's used to saying shit, 
Anyways, uh, this is like the main theme that uh, uh, Elizabeth is playing. And then Mr. Darcy's like here to visit him. So this is like a different side of Darcy. The first time I saw him at the assembly, he danced with nobody at all. Even though gentlemen were scarce, and there was more than one young lady sitting down without a partner. I knew nobody beyond my own party. Oh, and nobody can be introduced in a ballroom. Fitzwilliam, I need you. I don't know. To me, it feels like there's walls coming down, you know? It's because it's smaller, it's more intimate, it's more private. Um, and there it is. You can kind of see, I'm an awkward guy. I'm shy. So it's kind of like when we saw with like uh, Colin first, Mr. Darcy. It's just like, oh, he's just an awkward dude. But also part of the awkwardness is again, like she's not anyone worth talking to. There's that pride and that prejudice, right? But uh, had he, had he just handled it a little bit better, been a bit more warm to her, like they could have been married by now. And I'm not exaggerating. Like, don't, don't forget how quickly things moved back then. Look at this dude. He just barges into her room. He didn't even knock. Remember how polite everybody is. And he just straight up walks up in here. And we know what's going on. We know what's going on. And he's like, hey, like. <laughs> I'm afraid Mr. and Mrs. Collins have gone on business to the village. Dude doesn't say anything. He's freaking awkward. It's like walking to her locker. Hey, uh, uh, uh. This is a charming house. Uh, uh, nice locker. I believe my aunt did a great deal to it when Mr. Collins first arrived. I believe so. She could not have bestowed her kindness on a more grateful subject. It's just so funny because you know what he wants to say. He should just say it. But back then, like he has to think of like three different layers. Some like double talk. Because he can't just show up be like, I just wanted to see if you want to, you know, hang out. So he has to like come in with this pretense and like all this politeness. And then check this out. It's so funny. Like, Mr. Cool Leather Jacket Darcy. What on earth have you done to Colonel Fordyce? I have no idea. She broke him, you know? Like, he's he's like Mr. Propriety, you know? Mr. Cool and Quiet. Anyways, uh, I do like this like little moment because here's... Mr. Collins, he's a clergyman giving a sermon. Everyone's falling asleep, but good wife Charlotte is. Charlotte's a good wife, good Charlotte, and she's just like paying attention to, to his every word. Good for her, you know? So she's, it's not a one-sided marriage. She's giving back. Everyone else <laughs> bored out of their minds. And then here you can see Colonel Fitzpatrick or Fitzwilliam, whoever, talking to Mr. Darcy. So now for once, she hears people say, saying nice things about Darcy. But check this out. We know who the man is. 
an imprudent marriage. That means uh, uh, like a bad fit. So he just saved Bingley from a bad marriage. We know what it is. So this dude C blocked. He cock blocked Bingley and Jane because he didn't approve of the family. So this really paints him ultimately as the villain now. And um, here's a really powerful scene. Uh, here's kind of the scene. We're about to like reach the end of the first half, and we'll take we'll take a break after this scene, but. This, this scene is a big doozy. So he chases her down. And while we may recognize, like, oh, wow, like, this dude really loves her. This dude really likes her. In her eyes, this dude's bad. He's a villain. Right? Screwed over Mr. Wickham. Screwed over his sister. Talk shit. Here it is. He's, like, cheating on her. And he's just like, look, like, I love that most ardently. So he basically just admits, like, like you're poor and you have no money and you're lame and you're unrefined, but I love you most ardently. And Elizabeth's doing a very good job of respectfully turning him down. Is this your reply? Yes, sir. Are you are you laughing at me? No. Are you rejecting me? I'm sure that the feelings which, as you told me, have hindered your regard will help you in overcoming it. Might I ask why with so little endeavor at civility I am less repulsive? And I might as well inquire so why with so evident a design of insulting me. You chose to tell me that you like me against your better judgment. No, believe me, if I, I didn't was mean... Pride and prejudice. He thought this was a slam dunk. He thought, oh, for sure she's going to want to marry me. Was ruined, perhaps forever, the happiness of a most beloved sister. You deny it, Mr. Darcy. This dude doesn't even deny it. He doubles downs on it. Listen to him double down on it. She's shy. So, there's a lot going on here. And a lot of clever dialogue. So basically, he's just like, hey, like, I know, I know that you're, you know, Rachel Lee Cook, she's all that, and I'm Zach Weiler. Uh, so, you gonna marry me? And she's like, no. And he's like, why? And he's like, because you, you blocked me and my sister. And he's like, I blocked... I uh I blocked your sister in Bingley for a reason. It's because your family is a joke. You you and your sister are chill, but your family is a joke. Your dad's Kevin Pollock and he is a pool man. Your little brother's a, a weirdo, you know? This is totally she's all that. And then when he finds out that she likes Mr. Wickham, Wickham, he's like, "Ugh, I hate Mr. Wickham. How dare you?" 
So again, they both got pride and prejudice. Did you hear that? He's like, do you want me to like... Because he keeps saying, I love you in spite of your shortcomings. And, and he's like, what am I supposed to do? Love you because of your shortcomings? So this got, went from real polite and it really got heated. But it still sounds hella polite. And look at him. Look at her. They just want to kiss. They're like, oh, go in for that kiss, baby. Get that kiss. Madam, for taking up so much of your time. They got that like that hot anger, you know? That sexy, horny anger. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, what a what a first half. We're gonna go ahead and pause it after the scene ends. Uh right there. We'll pause it right there. Oof. Quite the first half. I'm gonna need to take a break. And we have a lot to kind of sum up. So when we get back, we are going to do a nice little recap. All right, everybody. How was your break? I know my break was great because it was 16 months long. Uh, no. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, so, um, yeah, that was the first half of Pride and Prejudice. I'm going to be picking up now in 2022. And uh, you get to hear some more updated, revised commentary. Uh, so, recap of the first half. I think we've gone over this story ad nauseum. I think we get it, right? So, um, where we just left off is the part where Darcy uh, embarrassingly gets rejected by um, by uh, Elizabeth. And you know what? Uh, for good cause. I, I think uh, after having the chance to watch it over again uh, with the new lens and also with the help of Carish perspective. Yeah, like, uh, uh, I think I used to feel bad for Darcy. I don't really feel bad for Darcy anymore. This guy is a jerk, and uh, where does he get off, you know, proposing like this? So uh, obviously it was going to be a no, and, like, the dude doubled down. Why would you double down? This guy's just like, hey, actually, uh, you're, you're poor, and I don't... I think you should be so lucky to marry me. So uh, that's where it's at. And it's just really tough because uh, I, just, I also realized that Elizabeth, you know, kind of maybe did like this guy until he found out she found out some of this, like, dirtier juice from Fitzwilliam that he did break up the marriage and, and that, he, you know, she's also meeting her aunt for the first time. This is a little bit different from the TV show because obviously this is a lot more rushed. So I'm pretty sure in the book they also take their time. But with this one, it's like really condensed. Uh, and you can really feel that. You can really feel how uh, uh, rapid this romance is. It's also a little bit more apparent um, that they're going to end up together. I'm sure it's pretty obvious for most folks, but uh, the whole will they, won't they, isn't, is, it's really much, pretty much just will they, it's just how they, how will they get together, you know? But uh, anyway, anyways, uh, that's kind of the recap of where we're at. And again, uh, you know, I just watched this as well. Tough spot for Elizabeth now. Uh, and I, I think my big thing to keep in mind right now is that she's not really interested in love, so it's not really that big of a thing, but she's really more betrayed on behalf of Jane because she knows that, you know, simple Jane, uh, love is something that she does care about. And, and knowing that uh, their love was interrupted by this jerk, right, there could be no bigger... Uh, sin as it were there could be no bigger uh, offense so anyways let's go ahead now and uh resume together the timestamp i have is one hour 12 minutes 24 seconds one hour 12 24 let's go ahead and resume in five four three two 
one play. So again, that sexy, steamy, rainy proposal. And you can see she's kind of like, ugh, she's collapsing. She couldn't take it. She's just like, ugh, right? Because, guys, you saw it. Did you see the movement? Did you see the head tilt? They were going to kiss. So, like, there's definitely a lot of sexual tension here. Uh, but, yeah, so, you know, I was thinking about this, too, like, have you guys ever seen, I don't know, this is like a real thing, but there's like a chart. It was like a, a Tumblr post uh, I remember from a long time ago, but it's like the the part of your body that like fills with blood when you're um, in love is going to be your uh, your heart and your genitals. Uh, or when you're horny, rather. When you're horny, it fills up your genitals. But the same thing happens when you're angry. Like when you're angry, your genitals also rush with blood, which is like really weird. And I don't know if we could like dissect it, but it's just like... Man, horny and angry are like right next to each other in the, uh, uh, whatever, physiological responses. So like, even though they were really angry, right, they're kind of the shouting match, there was also some blood rushing to their nethers. So just think about that. I think it has to do with competition, maybe. Maybe it's because men, we get angry. I mean, if you think about it, why do animals get angry? Probably just because like, hey, man, I was going to mate with this, you know, this doe. We're going to buck horns now. What a weird choice. She's been sitting here. Oh, she's having a fantasy. Not a weird choice. Look at that. See? So on the mean... Wait, is this a fantasy? Is he really here? Oh, my gosh. This is so intrusive. This guy keeps coming over. So he is here. Whoa. How are they... To be alone in a room... At night together? This is so improper. I shall not renew the so steamy. Disgusting to me. But if I may, I will address the two offenses you have laid against me. Wait a second. She's not here. He's reading the letter. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, okay. Woo! <laughs> really clever. Really clever. Yeah. She wishes he... You wish. You wish he was here. Oh, no. He was here. What the... Fuck is going on? He demanded the what the fuck is going on? And which he gambled away within weeks. Okay. Uh, anyways, now we're going to get the true backstory of Wickham. He's basically saying that like I'm not that bad. I'm actually yeah. You know, we already know the story. Why am I summarizing this to you? You know. But uh, uh, I just I just love the whole idea of like gossip. You know, like. This is kind of like Emma, you know? This is all just like rich people having gossip with one another. And they're kind of like lies. I don't know if they're lies, but... She was 15 years old. You know, what Wickham did was kind of wrong. I, I, maybe he omitted the truth, but he was basically saying that like, oh yeah, they deprived me of my... Uh, they deprived me of my inheritance. I was supposed to marry George... Or I was supposed to get that inheritance, and now he left me destitute. And you know he never refutes that. He never refutes the fact that uh, uh, Darcy's dad did love Wickham, and Darcy's dad did want him to have the money. Like at the end of the day, man, like if your dad's a dork and your dad's like uh, uh, fell for his lies, then let him have it. You know, honor your dying dad's last wishes. 
They didn't deny it in this film version. They didn't deny it in the 1995 version. It's true. Look how much of a liar she is. Look at that. See, even Elizabeth's just like, I don't fucking trust you. I don't believe you either. Ugh, bad actress. What news from Kent? <laughs> I'm over him. I'm so. We've all been there. Hey, yeah, me too, right? I'm over all my ex girlfriends too. Yeah, right. <laughs> Man, this movie condenses stuff so much. Expose herself. You know, that is something that I'm surprised at myself uh, over the past two years. Like, in 2020, I was like, you know what? Mr. Bennett's doing the best he can. But is he? Is he trying the best that he can? Is he? I feel like he's gotten a lot... I, I, uh, over my time, I've 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 seen him as a bit more uh, careless, careless, and uh, yikes! It is dangerous. Jeez. Does this fool... By the way, he has this thing with, like, but dragonflies. This guy loves collecting bugs. What a fucking loser. Uh, and, and sorry, no disrespect to anybody that collects dragonflies, but come on, man. Believe me, men are either eaten up with arrogance or stupidity. They are amiable. They're so easily led. They have no minds of their own whatsoever. Oh, take care, my love. That savors strongly of bitterness. Mm. Mr. Darcy, when I was at Rosie. Do they sleep? Oh, she's crying. Aw. Oh, and she's asking about Bingley. Look at that. She still can't get over him. Uh, do they sleep in the same bed? Do they... I, maybe they share a room and a bed? And if so, does Kitty and Lydia share a bed? And if so, does nobody want to share a bed? With, does that mean Mary lives? Uh, gets her own room and sleeps by herself because nobody wants to talk to her? Oh, man. I love this shot here, too. You guys everybody do this, right? You all do this before, right? You can see the sun and the shadows through your eyelids. Oh, beautiful. And yeah, you know Elizabeth. She's just like standing on cliff sides and just oh, taking it all in, taking in, being the statuesque book cover, right? Isn't this like a cover of a book? Anyways, great shot. Just uh, a little contrived now that I see it now. They're supposed to be hiking with their aunt the uncle, right? And they're just like, hey, Elizabeth, why don't you stand there broodingly? <laughs> we'll be over here. 
anyways, this hike uh, looks a lot more fun in this movie than it did in the TV show, right? This is like a full-on jungle. Look at this giant-ass tree. I think we're quite close to Pemberley. Mr. Dante's home. That's the fellow. Very well stocked lake. I've a hankering to see it. Oh, no, let's not. Uh -huh. I love it. I'd rather not. He's so I love the way this so movie uses zooms, by the way. So what? He's so rich. There's another like really slow, gradual zoom. There's that prejudice talking. Poor man can't help it. Man, this movie is so funny. It's like such a well-written comedy. Poor man can't help being rich. Damn. I, I, low key, I don't hunt at all, but seeing all those deer running around this land of his, well-stocked lake, mm, I'm about to become a hunter. I'm going to come over to uh, 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 Darcy's house and uh, friggin' get me some... What? Is this CGI? Is that a real house? This looks like the house from the TV show, right? Doesn't this? I think it's like, is this a real house? A real castle called Pemberley? I feel like it must be. But that straight up looks CGI. I'm going to look that up. Is there a real Pemberley now? Is there a real castle in Pemberley? And it's not. It's fictional. But uh, I guess uh, uh, maybe all British castles look the same. Or maybe they got the same location. Or maybe the CGI guy is just like, you know what? I'm not going to waste my time building a whole building from scratch. I'm going to CGI the 1995 version since everybody loves the 1995 version. And this is like a freaking MoMA art museum. Not MoMA. It's not modern art. It's like the freaking MoFA. Museum of Fine Arts. <laughs> MoFA. Like, think about this, man. Darcy just has a house full of, like, these classic marble statues. What are you doing? These belong in a museum. This is, uh, you know what uh, Joe Wright does a good job of? Joe Wright does a good job of, uh, 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 like, this is, like, oddly erotic, no? It's a bit of, like, and we don't get this a lot, so it's very tough to recognize, but it's, like, it's, like, a little bit female gazy, which, again, you know, feels weird to even say female gaze. It's a, almost an oxymoron in film, uh, uh, uh. Uh, vocabulary, but yeah, here she is, kind of taking on these bodies and taking all this art, and literally quite taking in uh, Mr. Darcy. Remember the 1995 version? It was a straight up like a little coin. Now this is like a full on bus. They got a bigger budget to get that Matthew McFadden uh, uh, bust. Only a little. He proposed to you. What a what a harsh thing to say. I dare say he is. Yes, I dare say he is. So, <laughs> same sentiment I had from the uh, the BBC show. Like, she's falling in love with him. Like, nothing's changed. He's still super prideful. He's still the guy that, like, sabotaged uh, Bingley's proposal to Jane. 
But now he's rich, so now it's like, well, it's not that bad. It's not so bad that he's rich. There's also this shot coming up, which um, I'll, I'll talk about it in a second, so get ready for it. But there's this like weird voyeuristic shot coming up, and I think it's odd because um, if you've seen Atonement, he uses a really similar shot, and the implication uh, and like the 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 language behind Atonement's sneaky voyeuristic uh, shot is has a certain lurid, you know, connotation. And then this one, it's a little bit more innocent, but uh, we'll talk about it in a second. It is coming up, though. Just get ready for this weird little keyhole scene coming up. But, yeah, she's just, like, in love with this house. And there's that theme again. And something that I think is interesting is uh, 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 maybe just some stuff behind the scenes, like, he listened to the song. Again, this is like the the theme song of the movie. And it's like Darcy heard the song, liked the song, got the sheet music, gave the song sheet music to his sister. And like, hey, there's this girl I like. And this is the song that she was playing. She did a horrible job, though. Can you <laughs> learn how to play the song and, you know, do it justice? So here it is. Here's this weird shot. So she's, she's spying on Georgiana. Uh... Right, Darcy's little sister playing piano, but get ready for this weird, like, uh, sneaky shot coming up. She's gonna stop, he's gonna pop up. I'll just let you uh, witness it and I'll talk about it later on. So there's a hand. Oh, yay! And then right here, get ready for it. Boom, right there, that shot. The, the eye contact and the zoom and then the running away. So, uh, Really odd choice. I, I think it works in this film. If you watch it just as it is now, it's fine. But he does it again in Atonement, and it's much more lurid in Atonement. And actually, let me still double check. I forgot what movie came first, if it was Atonement or if it was uh, Pride and Prejudice. Uh, Pride and Prejudice was 20... 2005, Atonement was 2007. Okay, so he did this one first. Okay, that's fine. So in this one, it's more fair. It's like whatever. Uh, but I guess because I saw Atonement first, it, it fucked with me. But in Atonement, there's a really similar shot in which Bryony uh, catches someone. Uh, let's just say it's a, I don't want to spoil Atonement for you. Let's just say that it's the it's exact same shot. She's peeking. She sees uh, a, a, a someone in a compromised position. Two people in a compromising position. They look, they see her, and then same thing, wide-eyed, and then runs away. Uh, so it's more scandalous uh, in Atonement. So in this shot, <laughs> when I saw this, I was like, wait a second. Was there something scandalous going on between Darcy and Georgiana? You know I already had this theory. You know I feel like with all these rich, blue-blooded, pure, you know, uh, pure-blooded people, they're just like... Like, right? He's like standing over her shoulder and then touches her and then they start hugging and, I'll, and then, oh my gosh. Uh, obviously, she's caught off guard because she doesn't want to see him. But it's also like, he's caught off guard because it's like, whoa, you, you caught me, <laughs> you caught me hugging my sister. Whoa. Anyways, that's all I had to say. Same hand, no longer flexing it. Now he's just like, ooh, I want to hold her closer a little bit longer, you know? Guys, it's I always say, you know, it's like, it's out there now, you know? It's out there that he likes her or loves her most ardently. And it's out there that she kind of likes him too. So, like, now the fact that it's out there, it's just inevitable, you know? You either have to never talk to each other again 
or you had to, you know, uh, uh, fall in love and get married now, you know? Guys, that's like, that's why it's always so, and this is, you know, I feel the same way. Uh, uh, I don't like it when people tell me that they like me, or I don't really like it. I don't really like telling people that I like them. Because once I say it out there, it's like, it's out there. Now we either have to start dating or we can't be friends again. There's no, there's no, hey, I like you. Anyways, uh, see you tomorrow, you know? So uh, I want everybody to understand, like, what a, what a severe step that is to let people know uh, that you like them, that you have affection towards them. Because uh, it's out there. And see, they're going to force it or break it. Same thing with the breakup. It goes both ways, too. Whenever you'd be like, mm, I don't really know anymore. Like, I don't think I don't I don't think I feel the same way. Or, like something's changed. Right? I need some time. Once it's out there, it's inevitable. You guys are going to break up or well, I guess it's inevitable. You're going to break up. <laughs> There's no making that work. You know, almost last time someone said, I don't really feel the same way I used to. And then they <laughs> oh, just kidding. I do feel the same way again. Ugh, it's so weird. In this in this version, she seems so much younger. Uh, I think we kind of dissected it, and that like Georgiana might be nineteen, might be eighteen. I don't know, but like this actress is like oh, fifteen. And again, uh, 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 the the more scary part is that Wickham proposed to her five years, uh, you know ago, so that means she would have been 10. Uh, so it's really messed up. That guy's a pervert. Pervert. Can I persuade you to accompany me to the lake this afternoon? It's very well stocked and its occupants slept in peace for far too long. <laughs> it's very well stocked. You play duets, Miss Elizabeth. What do these rich folks even do with the fish that they catch or the deer that they kill? They're not cooking it. Whoa. <laughs> Brother, you must force her. Scary thing to say to, uh, a rich dude. Oh, is this the Lampton Inn? Look, look at how much more money they have. See, when you have Lampton Inn, like you can have all these extras. And look at everyone's out here eating pig, drinking mead. Uh, I don't know what else. Rolls, dinner rolls. I know that's a big thing, right? And then that's <laughs> I don't know. That's kind of played for a, a laugh too, even though it's very serious and she's crying. Um, but yeah, guys, this is it. This is the Lampton Inn chapter. This is uh, scandal uh, under the candle. Lydia has run away. With? With Mr. Wickham. Damn! Right into Lord knows where. She has no money, no, no connections. Welcome to Los Angeles. <laughs> no money, no connections. I'm just kidding. Uh, this is my fault. If only I had exposed Wickham. No, it's neither of your faults. This is the dad's fault. This is Mr. Bennett's fault, inequivocably. What could be done? Oh, you know what's funny, though? In this version, they go straight to the drama. <laughs> like, in the in the BBC show, it's like, hey, how's everything going? Hope you're well. Hope you're having fine. I'm doing well as well. Uh, listen, uh, about Lydia. <laughs> this one cuts straight to the chase. I must leave you. Really nice guy. I will join Mr. Bennett and find Lydia before she ruins the family forever. Ruins the family. Dang, they're whipping that poor horse. 
It's not gonna make him run any faster, I don't think. Uh, but yeah, they're gonna chase down Lydia. Negotiate a settlement. So, I don't know. I feel like this is like an all-time low. This might be a... I don't know. I don't, again, I don't think there's acts here. We might be rounding out to the third act, kind of. Not really. You're all ruined. Damn. She has like no... No faith in her uh, husband. <laughs> He'll be killed. Wait a second. Would that have uh, fixed things? Like, Wickham stole Lydia. They ran away together. They're just, you know, banging. Again, she's underage, so it's very fucking weird. But then if, like, Mr. Bennett shows up and, like, I challenge you to a duel, sir... Boom! Shoots him, kills Wickham, and then people are gonna marry. You know, does that unruin the family? Does that mean like, oh, it's cool, it's cool? Yeah, yeah. There was a bit of a scandal with the the second youngest daughter, but you know what? He killed her, so we're good. He killed. Uh, he killed the dad. He killed Wickham, so everything's chill again. No more scandal. They married. They married. They will be. Father will settle hundred pounds a year on her. That is Wickham's condition. Hundred pounds. He will agree to this, Father. I'll agree. God knows how much your uncle must have made on that wretched man. What do you mean, Father? No man in his senses would marry Lydia under so slight a temptation as a hundred a year. Your uncle must have been very generous. A hundred dollars a year. hundred pounds a year. Well, I guess this is also old money. I wonder how much. <laughs> I'm trying to think here. I wonder how much. How much? Hey, how much do you guys think I'm worth? Like, if I was gonna marry someone, how much do you think I would have to pay them to marry me? And again, let's let's just. Uh, I don't know how. Uh, let's just deal with today's money. Uh, 2020 money, 2020 economy, guys. Times are rough right now. Uh, and I guess it's an annual thing. So annually, uh, do you think if I paid someone $10,000 a year, that sounds low. That sounds low. I, uh, I, hold on. I'm, if I'm worth more, I should pay less, right? Is that how that works? So, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't have really high self-esteem right night right now. Uh, I think twenty. You know what we'll do? We'll do like two thousand a month, so twenty four hundred, twenty four thousand dollars a year. I think that's fair. Twenty four thousand dollars a year is what I would pay someone to marry me. That's not too bad. That's kind of like a small, um, you know, salary. Uh, we're talking uh, uh, post-tax as well. These are post-tax dollars. Can't you understand why? Anyways, that's my offer for anybody listening. That's I guess that's what I get down to, ladies. That's my price. If you will have me, if you will marry me, I will pay you the sum of twenty-four thousand dollars a year. 
What do you say? Please. Jenna Malone, so great. First of all, not British. Oh, is she? I think she maybe is British. I think she maybe is British. But also, just because she's so young, so she's able to like play this uh, 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 nuanced thing. And she's not. She's from Nevada. She's from Nevada. So again, really good actress throwing in that uh, British accent. And she's just gone now. She's just getting married to Wickham, and they're just going to be out there. Uh... Ooh. They don't have as much of a, a relationship in this film. It was just kind of like just that one brief talk. They don't really go through the whole, you know, friendship thing, and they don't really trade barbs. But that look was enough. I guess they didn't have time for it. Oh. Nobody seems to know what's going on. Oh, what a what an interesting tag, man. Damn. He's going to abuse her. She's going to be so unhappily married. That's going to be such a Why are they leaving that meat out in the sun? It's going to spoil. Why would they do that? That's so gross. Imagine just all how dry it's going to be when you get home. They better be salting it. They better be salting that meat just leaving out in the sun like that. That's the thing about picnics I don't get. No disrespect if you like picnics, but uh, even if you do, like that's gross. All that stuff is just kind of baking and rotting away. Uh, outdoors too, all the bacteria, you know. Oh, what's that? They put, like, herbs on that meat? That probably helps it smell better, but that's not going to make it any less disease-ridden. I'm, I'm just glad he comes alone, because then we should see less of him. Not that I'm afraid of myself. I love this woman, too. Get ready for this. Oh, I'm sorry. I wonder if that might have been an uh, 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 accident, right? Or maybe just really good blocking, but I love how, like... She's kind of flustered, and she's like, you know what? I don't even care. I don't even care that he's coming, whatever. Oh, excuse me. And then she bumps into that guy. You know, like, so good. Such a, even if it was on accident, really great inclusion. Uh, but here they are coming to uh, propose. He's his wingman. And here it is, folks. Here's the uh, gentry at its finest. Just laying down. Nibbling on snacks, sitting on doing nothing. Mr. Bingley. Again, I love this fun little rom-com moment where they're all like rushing and flustering and bumbling about trying to like look natural, look natural, and then uh, get ready for, uh, I love this shot coming up. 
Here it is. Here, get ready for it. Mr. Darcy. Oh, <laughs> so fun, so calm. It's just like, oh, just us ladies, you know, sewing and reading. Quite the picturesque uh, framing. <laughs> well, very glad we are to see you, Mr. Bingley. There have been a great many changes since you went away. Miss Lucas is married and settled. And one of my own daughters, too. You will have seen it in the papers, though it was not put in as it ought to have been. Very short. Nothing about her family. Yes, yes, I did hear of it. I, I offer my congratulations. But it is very hard to have my Lydia taken away from me. Mr. Wickham has been transferred to Newcastle, wherever that is. Do you hope to stay long in the country, Mr. Bingley? Just a few weeks for the shooting. But when you have killed all your own birds, Mr. Bingley, I beg you will come here and shoot as many as you please. Thank you. Mr. Bennett will be vastly happy to oblige you, and we'll save all the best of the copies for you. Excellent. Are you well, Mr. Darcy? Quite well. It's so tense. I return to town tomorrow. So soon. She's so disappointed. Aww. Dang, the mom just laying in it. She's the best wing woman ever, dude. Just like, by the way, marriages have been going. Time's a tick. And by the way, come in here and shoot all the birds you want. By the way, my daughter looks great, doesn't she? They stop by just to say hi. Come on. Very pleasant to see you all again. Look at Darcy. He's just like, what are you doing? You must come again. Why'd you lose your nerve? Last winter, you promised to have a family dinner with us. I've not forgot, you see. At least three courses. He looks so nervous. I don't know. That's my. I read. I read it as nervous. Maybe it's because I know what's going on. Excuse me. He's like, dude, we came here on a mission, bro. You told me to come here and back you up. I was gonna, you know, talk to the mom while you talk to Jane, and then you just leave. Then you just leave. Come on, bro. And then like, there's this nice little pep talk coming up. I right hear. And you know what though? And she was say, Sit down. Darcy, uh, uh, he's had a little bit of experience with this, right? Darcy's proposed at least once. So he's maybe like, hey man, let me tell you how I did it. Let me show you how I did it. But it's a, it's a slam dunk. I don't know why it's so uh, difficult. Slam dunk. <laughs> what a good guy helping him out. Yeah, just say it. Just say it, man. Let's go there and be yourself. I'm glad that's over. At least now we can meet as indifferent acquaintances. Oh, yes. No, you cannot think me so weak as to be in danger now. I think you are in danger. <laughs> and again, uh, uh, <laughs> Jane's just like, Jane's just like, whatever, I'm over it now. Like, literally, he's about to propose and you're literally about to say yes. But yeah, you're so over it, Jane. We'll see how over it you are when he fucking puts that ring in your face. <laughs> what do you mean? Look, it's him. He's back. He's come again. It's like brothers marrying sisters. I know this is all very untoward. But I would like to request the privilege of speaking to Miss Bennett. Which one? I'm ah, just kidding. Everybody knows. Alone. I think you're supposed to talk to the dad first. Are you not? I don't really know how things worked back then. Of 
feel like she should have talked to the dad and then talked and then and then the dad could be like so soon like five minutes later because then the dad could have been like hey uh uh family get out of the room so that's uh bingley and uh jane can talk together and uh i forget i forget if this moment was in the bbc but it is a it's a it's a very lovely first uh proposal tell you i've been the most unmitigated and comprehensive ass (laughs) just because like like I said, the same, you know, these guys, it's just a bunch of uh, pretty dummies, you know. We haven't really seen them do much flirting, so, like, it's nice to see them actually, you know, make some moves. And it's nice for her to actually, like, I don't know, get wooed, right? That's, like, the thing. She's the most beautiful girl in town, right? I know he's an eligible bachelor and all, but, like, she deserves to be wooed, you know? And this is... I mean, I don't know how, I don't know if this is like great wooing, but it's better than, better than no. I thought you were over him, Jane. <laughs> thought you're over him. Now it's a thousand times yes. Are you sure it's not a hundred times or fifty times yes? It's a thousand times yes. <laughs> Little Miss Chuckle giggles right here, uh, but she's upset because she's like, you know what though? Like, my sister is marrying a, a rich guy, and I don't know. Maybe I should have married a rich guy. She's like regretting it. Oh, he's still here? Creepy. Rocking in the wrong direction, sir. Walk towards her. Well, he did get shot down before, so... I don't know. I would. I would. Come on. Things have changed. She's seen how rich you are now. <laughs> that's all that's changed, really, is she's seen... Oh, uh... And also, he saved, uh... Lydia and save the family, but we don't know yet. <laughs> See, these two are cuted. Uh, uh, these two are so like much better in this film version, right? Again, in the TV show, it's just like he's kind of an asshole to her. In this one, you get the sense that like these two go. Go wild, and the <laughs> when the candles get blown out, they get wild with each other, you know, feral lovers, right? Uh, she is like young at heart, so <laughs> she's probably young at the bedroom too. So now these two share a room. Hey, maybe she's going to be a good influence now. Maybe now that Kitty doesn't have Lydia, like, giggling about, maybe now she's going to grow up to be uh, bookish and matronly just like uh, uh, Mary. Wait, it wasn't the pernicious sister, though. It was Darcy. Uh, but also, probably also the pernicious sister. They really, I guess they kind of clean up Darcy's act in this version. Make him a little less, little less, less evil. 
And uh, I love this moment here. Um, this moment played out a little bit differently in the TV show as well. But I love that it's like a middle of the night thing. And then you got this like Ebenezer Scrooge moment with the candles. She's just walking through their dark house. They got a dog? Since when? The rest of your offspring, I presume. All but one. The youngest has been lately married, your ladyship. And my eldest was proposed to only this afternoon. You have a very small garden, madam. Could I offer you a cup of tea, perhaps, your lady? Absolutely not. I need to speak to Miss Elizabeth Bennet alone, as a matter of urgency. How wild is it that they had to like light candles uh, for light? So like, you guys ever open, uh, turn on a candle in the absolute darkness? Like all dark, just candle. It is so dark. All this lighting, like from a from a movie production standpoint, that's not the candle light. There's so much extra light. This would be like whispering. Uh, I can't even. I can't even describe it. Like. It looks more dramatic, right? It's kind of got like this cool film noir, like side lighting action going on. But at the same time, it's like, why the fuck would Lady Catherine de Bourgh be talking to someone in a dark room about this? It's almost like a secret. Oh, maybe that's what it's just like. I'm ashamed that I even have to be here. I, I I don't want anybody to like know I'm here. But look, she's much more like. Your ladyship has declared it to be impossible. Like forthright here. Now what are you to say? Only this: if that is the case, you can have no reason to suppose he would make an offer to me. You selfish girl! This union has been planned since their infancy. You think it can be prevented by a young woman of inferior birth, whose own sister's elopement resulted in a scandalously patched-up marriage, only achieved at the expense of your uncle? How does she know that? How does she know about that? To be thus polluted. Now tell me once and for all. Are you engaged to him? But again, she's, uh, uh, we are, what's it called? We're kind of letting the cat out of the bag, right? There's no more surprise that he's going to propose to her. First of all, he already proposed to her, so there's no surprise. Second of all, Lady Catherine Burke saying, don't marry him, don't marry him, is already like proof that he's going to propose to her again. Why would she assume she so she like she heard that he proposed to her, but she didn't hear that she said no? I don't like Lady Catherine the Berg. <laughs> She's like a Karen. Lady Catherine, short for Kathy, could also be Karen. No. Lady Karen de Berg. They do share the same bed. They couldn't even get bunk beds. Actually, I don't even know if they had bunk beds back then. Let me look up when bunk beds were uh, invented. But those two, these two, this, this, the Bennets seem like a bunk bed family, don't they? All right. Let's see if Wikipedia has the answer. We can find out. Ooh, bunk beds on sale for three, four hundred bucks? I don't know. I don't know if I trust a $300 bunk bed. I'd pay at least $800. All right. Oh, I guess when you look up bunk bed, they're going to tell you listings like bunk beds for sale. 
I'm trying to find out when these bad boys were invented. The bunk bed was uh, invented. Dang, there's no history for it. All right, well, I guess, uh, you know, they did have them. It says here, though, that they've had uh, bunk beds and loft beds, you know, for like camps and hostels and dormitories and military and ships. So I'm going to say that these are older than we might suspect, you know? So, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, yeah, it would have been time accurate or period appropriate for them to have bunk beds. But I guess a family of that, I don't know, like, the, the gentry, I don't know if they would have bunk beds. Although they are sharing the same bed. So, why not just throw another bed on top of it, you know? Give them the old bunk bed treatment. This guy wakes up, ugh, think about this, guys. This is like 4 a.m., right? This is like break of dawn, 5 a.m., you know, 5.30 a.m. at the latest. And, like, that walk, he couldn't... You know what probably happened? He probably heard about Catherine the Berg in the middle of the night, and he started walking. And this guy's rich. Uh, he could take a carriage or a horse if he wanted to, but because... Uh, it's so sweet, because she's so fond of walking. Homeboy <laughs> ripped his shirt off, right? He's got to show his hairy chest. And he walked all the way from... Uh, from uh, uh, Derbyshire, or whatever the heck it's called, here. Hasn't broken a sweat, because it's probably freezing, to propose to her. Is this a dream? Is this, I, just, I still don't know if that other night was a dream, but this could very easily be a dream, that he sh shows up here, right, at the sunrise. My aunt. Yes, she was here. How can I ever make amends for such pain? <laughs> you could propose. Oh. You are too generous to travel with me. I haven't brought this up yet, but like, I believe you spoke with my aunt last night and has taught me to. How have you like? I, I don't know if you guys have seen Succession. I don't know how how much you put Tom Wamsgans into this guy, but like, everybody's always like, why does Shiv? Why is Shiv with Tom? How did they get together? Watch this movie. You'll get why Shiv's with Tom. You can easily see Tom pulling all these moves. You know, just being like. Very kind and and very like. Well, she's super rich, but whatever. I would have to tell you. You have bewitched me, body and soul, and I love. Oh. I love. I love you. I love that. I love that choice. I love. I love. I love you. <laughs> yeah. Like any other time, it'd be cheesy, but like in this period romance, it's perfect. What are you gonna do? Kiss his hand? Oh, weird. That's their first kiss. My hands are cold. Oh, it's because they're cold. Oh my gosh, is he allowed to do this? They're not married. I don't think they should be doing this. This should be illegal. Has he proposed? Has he proposed yet? No, he's going to do it right. This is Darcy. This is Mr. Proper. He's going to ask. He's not going to kiss her. And he's going to ask the dad for permission first. Fucking uh, first thing in the morning. Like, hey, wake up. Wake up, dad. Wake up. Uh, don't get the coffee. Don't worry. No one's dead. I just need. <laughs> there's, a, there's a man here to see you. <laughs> Freaking nuts. 
nothing like a good 6 a.m. proposal, right? And again, it's a, it's a sure thing. It's a slam dunk. Shut the door, please, Elizabeth. He just adds Logan Roy for your hand, Shiv. <laughs> To be sure. I'd make you happy. I need no other objection than your belief in my indifference. You think that uh <laughs> you think Jane and her are gonna be like jealous of one another? Well, like I said, you know, it's like Bingley and, and, and uh uh Darcy are like brothers. But it is funny, it's kinda like this little competition. I got the richer one. <laughs> Bingley's like, I got the more agreeable one. Darcy's like, I got the smarter one. And then Jane's like, uh, I got married. <laughs> That's so fucked up. I'm sorry. Oh. Why are they not stoked? Everyone should be stoked, right? Like, your daughter hit the what's it called? Hit the hit the the jackpot, the lottery. You know, both of them did. She's gonna marry rich. She's gonna marry rich. Uh, Mary might not get married at all, and then the rest of the uh, estate can go to um, Lydia or Kitty. I don't. I don't know. I can't keep those two apart. Misjudged him? Perhaps prejudiced him? <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're kind of around at the end, but uh, I just want to say at the end here, there's going to be this great little shot uh, uh, where um, Donald Sutherland, like, laugh cries. It's, uh, it may, that's, I think that's what endears him to me. I think that's why I like this version of Mr. Bennett so much more than the BBC version. <laughs> This guy genuinely, like, cares about his daughters and genuinely, like, you know, loves them. And, and when he sees his daughter crying of happiness, look at him. Aw. He's so happy, too. And, like, he's just so happy that his favorite daughter, the smart one, the one that he actually, like, worked hard to raise, this one actually, you know, gets to marry for love. And he's like, this is amazing. And uh, I love this last line he has. I think it's the last line of the movie. Uh, I wonder if it's in the book. Could not have parted with you, my Lizzie. Anyone less worthy. Aww. Uh, uh, right, you can just see the love in, in, in him, you know. Uh, get ready for this last. I think it literally is the last line, though. Uh, and again, it's just fun. It just brings that like rom-com tone back into it. Young men come for Mary or Kitty, for heaven's sake, send them in. <laughs> I'm quite at my leisure. <laughs> See? Like a much better dad, right? And I think that is the last line of the movie. He's basically saying like, yeah, if anybody wants to marry my other daughters, I'll let them have her. Because he's done. He's done his job. This movie started, he had five daughters to marry off. 
now he's ready to get them all away. And <laughs> what? These guys are just gonna hang around in shorts. We didn't get to see the little double wedding. I would have liked the uh, the double uh, wedding. Shall I call you when I'm cross? Mrs. Darcy. Ooh. No. You may only call me Mrs. Darcy when you are completely and perfectly and incandescently happy. This is almost saccharine. This is too sweet. This is kind of gross. Don't want to see this. Get that kiss out of the way. Stop kissing her forehead. Kiss her goddamn lips and let's close this movie. You sicko. There we go. Oh, man. He's going to kiss her three times. Four times. Wow. I, I wonder if this was in the book. If this is in the book, gross. Uh, but if this was a, a film choice, sure. We're building to this climax here. Oh my gosh, it really is like a Korean drama. Yeah, let's get that kiss. Two hours and two minutes into this. We finally got that freeze frame kiss. Beautiful. Well directed by Joe Wright. All right, let's talk about it. Let's finally talk about it. So uh, that has been Pride and Prejudice. Are you guys sick of this story at this point? We've, uh, we've talked about it ad nauseum, but let's just uh, discuss this uh, film. And I will say just a beautiful faithful I think adaptation uh, really well done I can't praise Joe Wright enough um, so that's the director and he also directed uh, Pride and Prejudice he also directed uh, Atonement uh, Anna Karenina Darkest Hour so he's kind of really well known for doing adaptations in period dramas um, he also did a couple of uh, stinkers too <laughs> like he did Hannah and Pan so I don't really know his uh his uh, filmography is a little bit all over the place, but what I can't recommend enough, uh, to be honest, is Atonement. Y'all gotta watch Atonement. Oh my gosh, he directed Women in the Window. Poor guy. And uh, Serrano, Cyrano. I haven't seen that yet, but I hope that's a faithful adaptation. But uh, in any case, you know, um, great job uh, there. Um, so uh, 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 speaking of the, the filmmakers... Uh, the writers uh, was written by the, the screenplay was written by Deborah. Oh gosh, Magok, Magok, M O G G A C H. A great novelist, and you know what I like is that it's not written by a dude. And you always hear me say that, you know, this is very much a uh, 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 like movie about uh, uh, women. Five sisters, you know, so uh, I'm great. I'm glad that it was written by not only a woman, but like a very well-accomplished novelist. Uh, she's uh, only really written two screenplays. This was her first screenplay, and then she wrote something called Tulip Fever, which I've never heard of. Um, but yeah, uh, so really great team here with uh, Joe Wright directing and uh, Deborah McGock 
writing. Uh, do I need to talk about Kira Knightley? Amazing, incredible, one of my favorite actresses of all time. Matthew McFadyen, right? Oh, soon, soon, amazing as well. Just a really great cast. We get to see a lot of people from uh, before as well uh, that we've seen in other rom-coms. Uh, we got um, Simon Woods as Bingley, right? Uh, uh, Carrie Mulligan, ooh, there's a movie that she did I might want to do for this one too, but uh, Carrie Mulligan's another really great actress. Um, and yeah, uh, uh, this movie uh, uh, got some nominations as well. Um, four of them, in fact. Didn't win any, doesn't matter though. But they got a nomination for Best Score, Best Costume Design, Best Art Direction, uh, and then also Best Actress uh, for Kira Knightley. Her first nomination and also, like, she was only 20 years old at the time when she got that nomination, so pretty incredible this is like one year after uh love actually or maybe even the same year as love actually so this is it baby we've skyrocketed uh kira knightley into stardom let me just double check what came out first p and p or uh love actually oh uh uh Love Actually came out first. Oh, she also did Pirates of the Caribbean that same year. So yeah, dude, she's killing it. Um, I, uh, if I were to say like who actually deserved the Oscar, I think Best Score. This is like one of the most beautiful scores I've ever heard. Surprised that they didn't win. I don't really know about costume design, but the art direction also maybe could have gotten it there. Let me just see who won this year for the score. Because we're listening to it right now. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it a beautiful score? Brokeback Mountain beat them? Well, I don't know about that, man. I have to listen to that score again, but I highly doubt it's anywhere near as good as this. Brokeback Mountain, if you've never seen it, beautiful movie. I don't know about the score, though. Uh, all right, anyways. Uh, uh, anything else to talk about this movie? You know, let's just take a look at the... Uh, box office and the ratings and since I don't think there's anything else to to, to highlight um, I did not have my links ready sorry about that gonna pull them up uh, but you know this is like an Oscar contender though so I wouldn't be surprised if the ratings are really high uh, Rotten Tomatoes has a score of 87 perfect yeah maybe it should be a little higher but 87 sounds good to me uh audience score 89 so yeah i think that's probably more closely where it belongs uh very deserving of that uh uh, uh performance or rating uh as far as how much money it made these movies are always like really confusing to me because this apparently had a budget of 28 million. I mean, I would have thought it cost a lot more with all the sets and all the costumes and right, all that stuff, right? It's not in the country, but 28 million, wow, that's amazing. You rarely see movies with a budget like that anymore, and uh, they definitely made it seem bigger and, and more grand than 28 million. And then, in terms of how much it made, like, I never really, really know how popular these movies are, but it is Pride and Prejudice after all, so. 121 million worldwide. Amazing. Incredible. Wild to me. Uh, it made only 38 million. Um, 
uh, in America, which is like, yeah, that's what I would imagine. I don't feel like a lot of Americans would be into this, but internationally, big hit. Um, and yeah, it, it, it started a lot of great careers. Um, and again, ultimately, my first introduction to um, Pride and Prejudice and... I've been in love with that story ever since. Never going to read the book, though. Um, but there you have it. Uh, all right. Anything else to say about this episode? Guys, we've done, at this point, two months worth of Pride and Prejudice content. That's all uh, the Pride and Prejudice I really want to do for a while. Um, and, yeah, uh, again, really just nice to see that after two years doing this podcast, how much I've grown. And, and uh, uh, yeah, it's been a great been a great pandemic <laughs> watching these rom-coms with you um but yeah uh join us next week we're gonna have another guest i don't know who they are yet but uh uh hopefully we'll get a chance to do more of these podcasts have more guests and and watch more fun rom-coms until then don't forget to follow me on twitter at wrong companion pod um don't really tweet too much but if you follow me that'll give me more incentive to tweet more all right, guys, uh, it's been great watching this rom-com with you. Have a great uh, rest of your February, and I'll talk to you later.